12 years ago, deep beneath the sands of an Estonian beach, 40 skeletons were found in the remains of a wooden boat, now the final resting place of Viking warriors after an ill-fated raid in 750 CE. Now, four of the men lying shoulder to shoulder, swords clutched to their chests, were recently discovered to be brothers. Now, this is just amazing, and it's all because of this incredible... DNA that we have today and joining us right now is Professor Morton Allen Toff who is Head of Laboratory here at Curtin University and researcher with the University of Copenhagen. You've got so much incredible information in your mind haven't you? Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) I don't know where to start with this because we live in our own world today and try and survive Mm. without giving an awful lot of thought about early civilization. Can I ask you what your role is here at Curtin? I'm, uh, I'm, I was recruited to lead what is known as the Trace and Environmental DNA Laboratory. So this is a laboratory that specialises in working with, uh, you can say, degraded DNA molecules that is uh, found in the environment, including ancient DNA. Ancient DNA, that's a term I've not u- heard of before, which of course is what you specialise in. Mm-hmm. And you work in conjunction, don't you, with other universities around the world? Yeah, that's true. We have collaborators all over the world, but I have a shared affiliation with the Copenhagen uh, University in mm. Copenhagen of Denmark. I'm Danish myself. That's so, I've, I've sort of picked that up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming across to Perth. It's mm. just wonderful to have you here. Now, this particular find is just one, I mm. guess, of many. Mm. And how, it's obviously very significant. Um, where do I start? How, how, what did you learn from this? Mm. And if we hadn't had DNA, you wouldn't have been able to get all the information you have. No, that's true. I mean, we work in in the ancient DNA field. We work very closely, of course, with archaeologists and and anthropologists who have been studying these remains for for years and for centuries even. But by studying the the bones on their physical appearance, by studying the cultures just based on whatever artifacts might be found in the graves, you can only get so far, right? You often don't get the biological uh, evidence with that. You don't know really who were these people from, were, a, from yeah. a genetic perspective. In this case, were they related? Uh, where did they come from, for example, can be very difficult to, to understand by just looking at the cultural artifacts uh, because they could be people that have uh, have, uh, have stayed there for a long time but simply simply taken up the local cultures. They, they may not necessarily be foreigners and, uh, and this we can look at uh, by, by sequencing the DNA from these skeletons. How did the archaeologists find these sites? Well, this is a, this is a long-standing tradition, uh, in particular in in Europe and in particular in Scandinavia. There's a there's a century-long tradition for for for, for archaeology here, and this is uh, this is something that is uh, that, that that these countries take a lot of pride in. There's a lot of people hired, you can see, by the national museums, for example, to constantly excavate uh, for for these uh, sites, and they know where to look. How do they know that? How do they know where to look? Well, first, there are many ways to do this. I should mention this is not my primary. No, no. research field i'm a geneticist but 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 this is uh, you can one of the one of the, the the you can say the methods that are being used more and more for example is to use aerial photos so so be, x-ray exactly if, x-ray is one method but also just taking a plane and going into the air and looking for features that are not easily visible when walking around the ground when you suddenly get 100 or 500 meters into the air you really? can start seeing features that are not the f- outlines of buildings exactly, exactly of something like that and that that gives you an idea of uh, of where to look but often it's also random chance, right? People over time have found some 
artifacts in a particular place or maybe some bones sticking out of the ground giving an idea of a prehistoric yeah. village and that might give the archaeologist mm-hmm. some ideas of where to look for interesting finds. The history in Europe is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, with DNA, with the ancient DNA, I did mention and it has said that the four men that were found together mm-hmm. were linked to be brothers. Yes, Mm. That is true. Of course, uh, this is like any paternity case. Essentially, right? That we, that we that also you know you can have taken and then in modern days the same technology. Essentially, the analysis are the same. It's a bit more challenging to detect with this uh, when based on ancient DNA because the molecules are, are very degraded. They're fragmented into short so. pieces. I think so. From seven hundred and fifty. Exactly. <laughs> is that information sent to you? The DNA? Uh, how is it that you come in on the project? No, we uh, we sequence it out. We we normally. Get the, sometimes we go to a museum, sometimes we even participate in the excavations. We, we obtain the, the samples, for example, a piece of bone, it could be a, a, a tooth, it could be some hair, any yeah. kind of biological material that would contain uh, cells. Did you go across to this I, site? I, I wasn't involved in, in the excavation in this particular case, but I've been excavating in quite a few places, both in Europe and in Australia, by the way, also uh, looking for extinct megafauna. <laughs> yes, of course, uh, we've got a lot of history exactly. here, haven't we? And oh, that's on, hopefully on the agenda that we can find out more about our past and our civilizations. Exactly. Now, the Vikings, uh, whether mm. it's true or not, passed down in history, they were mm. meant to rape and plunder. Mm. <laughs> Do we know anything more about what that culture was the Viking culture, their agenda, mm. um, what was their aim? Were they plundering countries? Were they looking for new places to move their families and things mm. to? What, mm. what was it about, you know? Well, plundering was certainly part of the part of the, the history, you can say, and part of the culture. This is one of the things that really characterises the Viking culture, so to speak, uh, compared to many other cultures. They, 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 they did go out to plunder and bring back, back goods and, and, and whatnot, uh, but it's not the whole story. They were very skilled tradesmen, they were very still skilled ag- agriculturalists also, So uh, so and it was not every single... Uh, person uh, living in the Viking era that went out and plundering. These were particular carefully selected war parties uh, yeah. that went, that were sent abroad in order to bring prosperity back home. And then many of them stayed there. And this is where the DNA comes in. Because, again, this is not normally easy to see when you look at a skeleton. Is this a Viking that is coming from Scandinavia? Is it a local person that has just put on a Viking helmet? Or what is actually going on? But the DNA can tell you that. And this is where this particular study you're referring to made a difference. Because now we can certainly test all the old hypotheses of where the Viking went and if they shared genes, uh, if they had kids, so to speak, with the local people they, 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 they met mm-hmm. and did they bring uh, even slaves with them back home and these things. This is where the genetics comes in. Where were they based? Which was their home? Vikings uh, have their have their origin in, the, in Denmark, in Norway, in Sweden and, and then they, that was the, the foundational Have you country. got a bit of Viking in you? Uh, most likely, <laughs> most likely, not much probably. But if uh, I see you wearing a hat, I'll know for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's based in Sweden mainly, in Denmark around that region. Yeah. Um, and these were warriors, and they went into sorts of uh, went into so many different countries. Mm. They travelled into England. They did. Yeah. And they left uh, they left traces in England, both on an archaeological perspective, but certainly also from a genetic perspective. We can trace Scandinavian DNA in in English uh, populations. To Would this they? Day. Uh, would they have sort of established themselves over there as well, or did they just visit? No, they definitely established themselves, yeah. and this is we, we can we can see this on, on the genetic history of, uh, of of the Vikings. Both some of them came back, and they they have brought back some 
you can say kits with the, with local DNA in them. But but the but the British people today also display uh, display Scandin- uh, traces of Scandinavian. Day. They would have been breeding, I guess, if they had stayed over definitely, there. Definitely, definitely. So yeah. the English would have had a lot of that in their system. Exactly. Yeah. They went into Ireland, Iceland, and Greenland. Yes. Goodness, it's a long oh, way to even, travel. Yeah. yeah. Even took rivers all the way to Russia and uh, so. Really. Yeah, yeah. Now. I do believe, I think I read, I've got so much information here because I got so caught up in reading about all of this, that they weren't just Scandinavians, but there are other ethnic groups that took on that style of living or that project, I suppose, that they wanted to be on, be like a Viking. So what other groups have you found out were involved? I, so what 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 is what we can see is from the DNA that the population, the genetic makeup of the population in Denmark at this particular point in time changes a little bit. So it looks like it's not only uh, it's not only uh, the Vikings are coming back with something. Clearly, they're not just bringing Viking uh, you know kids back with them. <laughs> and, and this is this is most likely slaves that have been brought back uh, really? from uh, from across. It, uh, and uh, and uh, and this is then contributing to the local Danish gene pools in the in the in the in the next generations yeah uh, that's certainly one of the the, the fine things also so yeah. it's been the largest ancient dna uh, five years to complete yes that's amazing so what's going to happen with the information i mean how can we put it to good use i mm. guess to people living today mm. what do we learn from this well, you can say this is one of many, many studies that we have been involved with in the last decade or so that, that is seeking to understand ourselves in the, in, the, in the prehistoric past. A lot of this is not written down anywhere. Just around the Viking era, we start to have written sources. But I've been involved with studies that deal with the Bronze Age, the Stone Age, the Paleolithic. And here you certainly don't have anything written down, right? So in order to understand ourselves, understand the foundation of modern, uh, modern culture and, and where we came from, uh, this is something that these types of studies can certainly contribute with. I mean, this, it is the foundation of knowledge, really, that, that you're building on here. What about the physicality of the Viking? Where do we know, how do we know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, were they a big, strong race of people, the men, the soldiers, I guess you could call them, because mm-hmm. uh, not all of them went. A lot of them stayed in their home base for obvious reasons, like they still do today. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they were big, strong men, you know, in... Animal outfits, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, they, they're portrayed that way, aren't they? They're know? often portrayed that way, for yeah. sure. I don't, I'm not. A, I don't think the Vikings were. They're not bigger than we were today. Certainly not. And, okay. and, and one of the reasons for that is it's the same genetic makeup. A thousand years is not that much when it comes to changing uh, the physical appearance of a population. That will normally take longer. The reason why they could have been smaller, uh, and, and I know certainly if you go a little bit further back in time, they were smaller, is also something to, related to diet. I mean, yeah. be, because uh, they were maybe not eating as well and as uh, as varied, and maybe and uh, and and getting the same, t- and they would have period while growing up where they probably had poor food uh, food accessibility, right? Which would certainly affect them later on in life, also. So, yeah. so we can see maybe not so not much to the Viking, but if we go back to some of the Stone Ages, we can certainly see that people have been severely affected by by a poorer diet yeah so when they got on the viking ship mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to, tra- to travel away they would have been gone for a very long time mm. so to be able to take supplies mm. that sort of thing do they stop at certain places and try and get supplies kill animal whatever i imagine most likely they would have yeah. i mean uh, and then and, and, and again they were they were extremely skilled uh, seafarers so they the, the ships they were they were on were, were were big and they were very well developed and they were able to bring a lot of things with 
with them exactly. Were they rowing? And, and their navigation skills were a, a combination of rowing and, and sailing. Yeah. Isn't and that amazing? It is. And, the, and their navigation skills were, were, were really amazing. They made it to Greenland, right, which would have been a pretty daunting uh, seafarer. Uh, how how do you think they would have had the knowledge to be able to work out the navigational side of things by the stars most likely yeah most likely i mean uh, that's that's probably that's, that's probably it and the sun and the moon and these types of questions this has been built upon generations mm-hmm. generations denmark and where the vikings came from is uh, uh, is an, uh, a region of the world that is surrounded by seas so if you wanted to move anywhere you have to sail and this is of course this knowledge would have been mm-hmm. been available to the people living in the viking era also so you have other interests, don't you? Yes. Uh, you, you love sna- I can't believe this. Don't you love cold-blooded reptiles? Yes, very much so. <laughs> Can I ask why? <laughs> this is uh, that's in- so. I'm an evolution. At the end of the day, I'm an evolutionary biologist. Uh, humans are just one species. I've studied. Okay. Uh, so so, and the Vikings. And we're not very nice, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that's that's absolutely fine. I love speaking about the Vikings as well. So, so, so now we covered that. <laughs> no, but uh, I am interested in evolution. What are the the what are the factors in our environment that are shaping our genes at the end of the day? So we adapt to that particular environment. How have climates in the past, you know, affected our genes and, and driven evolution and resulted in the species that we can observe around us to this day? I'm very interested in reptiles. I've been very interested in reptiles since I was a small kid. We've got a lot here. Exactly. Probably not in your own home. <laughs> very few in Denmark, and this yeah. was one of the reasons for moving to you Australia. <laughs> exactly. Never heard that before. People <laughs> usually stay away because of it. Okay, that's interesting yeah. because there's been an evolution, hasn't, haven't there? Oh, definitely. You yeah. have a lot of reptiles living in Australia and a lot of very interesting ones, and if you're interested in reptile evolution, this is the place in the world to what be. Is it? Tell us a wee bit about the re- evolution of a snake. It does. I mean, snakes are essentially uh, snakes are essentially lizards without legs. They're, hi- they're highly yeah. specialized lizards. They, they sit within, in evolutionary terms, they sit within the groups of lizards, but have lost their legs over the course of did evolution. Did they ever have legs? They did have legs. If you go back in, in, the, yeah. in the prehistoric fossil records, you will find snake with legs, and you can still see remnants in some of the bigger python species uh, to this day. You wouldn't uh, want them chasing us. It's bad enough they slither up behind uh, us. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so so you can say by sequencing the genome, by sequencing DNA of these animals, you can understand what is actually what is actually the how has evolution shaped the DNA of these animals yeah. that have that have allowed them to evolve in these particular ways. And uh, for example, if you're an animal who are not able to generate your own heat, as you said, cold-blooded reptiles, of course you can imagine how climate change uh, is having some effect on on you and your behavior and where you can actually uh, survive. And this is the one of the things I'm interesting look interested in looking at climate changes also in the past and figuring out how have these animals actually survived uh, to this day and how where are you going to continue this research you're going up into our regions up north at Nidland uh, I'm certainly going is a lot of it will probably be based here in WA uh, because it is a biodiversity hotspot and there's uh, plenty to do just uh, just by, by sticking around here so and just go in the backyard exactly. some time but, oh, exactly. but basically, exactly. and, what, and what do you what do you do to research the these reptiles you get hold of them and how do you work from there the first thing we do is to take a dna sample i mean that's the basis of our research right so we go in the field we find the animals we take uh it can either be a small clip of a scale it can even be you take some some spit from the mouth that contains you're a a brave man Or it can be a blood sample, for example, de- depending on the on the research questions you're interested in. Mm. Interested in this, you take back to the laboratory, you, you extract the DNA from this sample, and then you 
decode that DNA, you sequence it. So at the end of the day, you get a DNA sequence on your computer screen. screen. Yeah. And this is what you can then compare to the DNA from other species or other populations and trying to understand uh, how evolution has shaped that DNA sequence. Have you got any answers as to what is going to happen and how they're changing? Uh, this is a, that's a, it depends on the species, it depends on the region and these right. things. But, but of course, I mean... It, uh, I do think there's some very interesting questions to pursue in terms of one of the things I'm very interested in, why, what is creating biodiversity here in WA? Why is it that the southwest corner is a biodiversity hotspot? What are the big driving mechanisms that are creating more species here or retaining more oh, really? species than elsewhere? That's that's why it's called a is biodiversity hotspot. I think it's a good thing. It shows we have a lot of high, very high diversity in this area. And something about the past climate or the geology are some, somehow creating more species than than. That is good region. to hear because normally we get a negative response about uh, looking exactly. after our species. That oh, is yeah. interesting. It, it, and you're continuing with that research? That is what I'm interested in from, from a genetic perspective, right? That is yeah. that is certainly one of my research avenues. And, and, and the ancient DNA, I'm not uh, quitting that right now. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing as well so these are some of the different aspects of what i'll be continuing here at curtain we probably don't have many digs here in australia because we don't have that sort of history but are you going to look at australian civilization early civilization uh, it's not something I have started yet, yep. but I have had, uh, I have had, uh, you can say, people contacted me from archaeological societies and, and whatnot uh, around Australia, who of course knows my background yeah. and who would be interested in collaborating on these types of questions. So this is certainly something that would be interested in. I mean, people have lived mm-hmm. on this continent for more than fifty thousand years, right? And there's a lot of there's a good history there. There's a lot of history to to uh, research with with genetics. That's and that's of course, sure. considering the the landmass was connected, of course, to Asia. Yeah. Um, what influence, what were these people like, what did they look like, how did they survive, that sort of thing. But they did survive, obviously. They did survive, and they were, of course, highly skilled at surviving in this this continent who would have been, uh, you know, not the most hospital. (laughs) That's true. Look, finally, because we're going to run out of time and I can't keep you forever, but um, what what always... It sort of not amuses me, but it amazes me that in Rome, early Rome, civilization in early Rome, Mm. they were amazing in coming up with irrigation, Mm. a banking system. Um, or and things I don't even r- recall, and yeah. then you get other civilizations who probably because they live differently mm. d- have never progressed in that way. Mm. That that it's incredible, isn't it? How some civilizations click and just do all that. Exactly. I mean, you you, pro- you different civilizations progress in different ways, and some of this yeah. is of course unpredictable or random chance. You can say you have a uh, some. Brilliant people at a particular point in space and time who, who are interested in, in establishing mm. these kinds of systems, but of course it also relates to what is required in order to survive. Yes. Uh, if you suddenly have a uh, hundred thousand people living in a very small space, you need some some systems in place in order to manage all these people. So right? you've, even though you don't have technology mm. and anything around you, you've got to co- look, think commonsensical, and work out how do we do this? How to establish systems. Uh, how to establish it to survive? Yes, exactly. that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Thank you. I don't think I've got Viking. DNA. <laughs> I'm too scared to. Because <laughs> yeah, right. my forebears come from the UK, which most do, yeah, right. from here in Australia. So there might be a wee you, bit in you there. You may very well have a little bit. No, I'm going to find out. Good on yeah. you. It's so wonderful to speak to you. Professor Morton Allentoff joining us in the studio.